welcome to another episode of the Ad Geeks Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian, and originally, well, first of all, thank you for tuning in on this Saturday morning. Getting this episode out to y'all pretty late, because originally I was thinking of dropping an episode every day after the playing, you know, a post review and everything. I'm going to do that for the NBA playoffs, but for the playing, I was like, you know what, let's just take it, let's take a backseat, and we'll just do it when the playing's all over, and we have who the matchups are going to be. That's So that was the plan. Um. So, as you can tell by my voice, I am under the weather. I'm sure if you're, uh, you know, a seasoned listener to the Geeks podcast, you know I get sick very, very often. I have a weak, weak, weak immune system. So, of course, I went down this week again, which is also the reason why I wasn't trying to record like that. However, whenever I was, I was like, okay, you know what? Um, last night I got invited on to the Daz Anime Stash podcast. Go check them out on YouTube, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcast. Go check them out. We had some good discussions. It was a good time on there. Those guys are really cool. Go check them out. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about the review. We're here to talk about the aftermath of this plan. So let's just start off from the beginning and let's talk about the in the beginning, when we had Nets Cavs, Nets Cavs, see, this game was very interesting. I liked what I saw from the Cavs, um, but I wasn't surprised with how much we saw from the Nets. Uh, this Nets team doesn't scare me as much as I a lot. It scares a lot of other people. I know a lot of other people are like, "Oh, Nets and six, Nets and five, Nets and whatever," because they have Katie and Kyrie, which is understandable. However, their depth is an obvious problem, and it was exposed with this Cavs game. They, a lot of people are like, well, it looked like the Nets were in control the whole time, but they were in control, but they were struggling to be in control. That's the problem. Uh, Seth Curry played 33 and a half minutes. He went scoreless. Yeah, I know he's coming off an injury and everything, but 33 minutes and can't give a bucket. Uh, he's not. He's only there to shoot. He's only there to catch and shoot. He's taking over Joe Harris's role. Uh, he he's a defensive liability. So if he can't hit his shots, like he he's the the Nets are in trouble. They don't have a reason to have him on the court. Gordon Dragic only gave up like he gave you ten minutes and he gave you three points in that ten minutes. Not much else. Patty Mills played seventeen minutes, contributed six points, and just like says, like he's not bringing anything outside of scoring. So when he's struggling to shoot and struggling to get going. It's kind of like why have him on the court? Um, their guard death does not scare us at all. They don't. They don't have enough. Yes, like I said, they have Patty Mills, Seth Curry, and everything, but they're it's just not unless they catch fire, which both players are capable of doing. Let's not act like they're not. But with how Patty has been playing all season and Seth has been struggling coming back off that ankle injury, we just got to we just got to see how 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 much he recovers. We'll see it tomorrow. We'll see how much he recovers. If he can make a difference, then the series can change. But if he continues to play, these two teams continue to play how they were at the end of the season, as well as in this Cavs game, the Nets are in trouble. Um, Their their big depth also doesn't concern, like, the Celtics at all. Uh, Bruce Brown is a 6'4". Like, he's playing power forward at 6'4". And he was cooking the Cavs because – they were they were doubling up and then they were just leaving him off for those dump off passes. Uh, yes, he had 18 and everybody was going crazy. He had an 18 point triple double, but he had 18 points off 19 shots and a majority of his shots are just around the basket. So for him to be feeling himself talking about he can go out tight, go out Horford, 
I'm not really sure because you were going at Laurie marketing and struggling to hit layups and shots around the basket like that. Um, he was also their leading rebounder, which again won't be like he won't be playing against marketing in love this series. So we should be fine. He, he's he's like that shot at Horford and Tice is noted. Uh, Tom Lord should be back about game five, game six, and if he is, then he's really in trouble unless he can all of a sudden start really, really spacing the floor. He took some shots outside the paint, but none of them fell. So we'll just see how Bruce Brown goes in that way. Drummond dominated on the offensive board, but he was basically food in the paint. On offensive boards, he was just sitting there. He was grabbing every board. I will give him credit there. On defense, he was food. That paint was food. Um, He was relying on, like, KD and a bunch of help defense. And the Nets felt comfortable leaving Okoro, Rondo, Seti Osman, Levert, and all of them wide open. So they were just doubling in the paint. And so Drummond was kind of hitting there, and the Cavs couldn't hit their shots. So um, that's not the luxury they're going to have with the Cs. They're not going to have just the, – the person they can help off of is Daniel Tice. Yes, he's on – yes, people – I saw a lot of Celtics fans talk, well, he shoots 36% from the three, and I'm like, yeah, but he shoots one a game. Let's not try to act like he's shooting 36% from the three on, like, five a game. He's shooting one a game. Um, he's not going to be out there really spacing it like that. So he's he might be the only one you can help off of, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, Claxton played well. He played solid. Um he was getting those little dump off passes, but I feel like we'll be fine with him getting those little dump off twos here and there. Uh, he got the switch, but he is he Claxton is their best big, but he's also inexperienced, commits a lot of fouls, uh, jumps at things he shouldn't. So we'll just see how that goes. Defensively, like I said, the paint was food for a good portion of the game. Outside of a few moments where Claxton has some good rotations and KD plays solid help defense, the paint protection was non-existent with Drummond in there. Oddly enough, the Cavs had a multitude of open shots, but they just couldn't capitalize. They could, they just couldn't. The perimeter defense didn't look good. It looked poor on um, DG. He had Darius Garden literally had his way with whoever was guarding him. It was just about capitalizing after you get open. That's the problem. Um, their minutes without KD is not spoken of enough. I don't understand why people aren't more people aren't talking about this. Kyrie and KD had to play darn near perfect for a seven point win. They both had to play 41 minutes in a playing game, which was not ideal, especially when you want to rest your players. It's not ideal to have both of them play 41 minutes. If they were winning this, like, just handling, they were just like, oh, it was just an easy win, they wouldn't have played 41 minutes each. Um, and also, every time KD sat, which was only, like, six minutes total, like, it was, like, six and a half minutes total that KD sat, the Cavs went on an instant run. Like, literally, KD sat Cavs on an instant run. When Kai was on the floor and KD wasn't, they sent a double, making him give up the ball, and the role players didn't step up in that time. Yes, if you look at the box score, you might think otherwise, but those KD minutes, like non-KD minutes, were atrocious. Um, where KD was in, like, where where Kai, what was I say? I'm trying to think. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, when KD was on the floor, and Kyrie wasn't, or Katie was just on the court, blah, blah, blah. He was plus 16. When Kai was on the court by himself with just the role players, they're only plus two. They didn't sit both of them at the same time. So um, when Katie wasn't on the floor, literally the Nets were on minus 14. That's what I'm talking about when I was saying, like, there, it was an instant run every time. It was literally an instant run. They couldn't do anything without Katie on the court. And if you're going to be playing Katie 41, 42, 43, 44 minutes a game, Every single one of these games, him and Kai, 
y'all might be in trouble because y'all gonna be like relying a lot on the depth, and that's where the Celtics have them beat on depth. I'm not saying everything's gonna work because obviously the uh, star power wise, the Nets win because they have somebody like Kevin Durant, but they have the best player in the series with Kevin Durant. We have the second best player in the. Uh, we probably they probably had the first and third. We probably had the second and fourth best players in the series, but we might have five through nine. Like after that, we we have five through nine with the best players on this series, which is which is going to be very 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 tough for the Nets. We'll see how that goes. Um, like. Efficiency aside, I think the Jays can match 7-11 in points, like total points. I'm not saying they're going to be as efficient. I'm not going to say, obviously, Jalen Brown's going to have an efficiency like Kyrie, but I'm saying uh, just total points. I think they can match them. We also have the best defense in the league with the depth, so I like our chances against their role players. Um, I have the season six, unless Tatum and Brown simply crap the bed and don't show up. I have the season six. Uh, hopefully Rob come back game five. We can get him one game in before going into the next series. But I got season six. Next was T Wolves Clippers. Uh, whew. cat look atrocious. Yeah, there was some foul calls that were shady, but that last foul was on him. Like he fouled out. That sixth foul was just a bonehead move. It was stupid. It was idiotic. Um, eleven points on three of eleven shooting. Oh, of two from the three. They defended him well early, and I think that instead of like playing with the flow of the game, like playing within the flow of the game, he got anxious and he wanted to contribute. So he started forcing the issue. He was missing some easy looks. He got in his head early on. He didn't really. He doesn't really bring it on the defensive side. So when his offense and his rebounder isn't there, it doesn't. It doesn't look good for him to be on the court. And this was against the Clippers when they were throwing wings at him. The next series, they're about to be throwing Jared Jackson Jr., who's a defensive player of the year candidate, and Steven Adams, who is probably the strongest player in the NBA. And that, that's going to be tough for him. If he if he struggle with them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be interested to see how he goes against them two right there. That's going to be that's gonna be interesting indeed. Um, everybody is discussing how good and amazing Ant looked, and he looked amazing. Shout out to Ant. He went out there. He hooped. He looked really good, um, but D'Lo, D'Lo was just as good. Like, Ant put up 30, D'Lo put up 29, and D'Lo was hitting some clutch shots. D'Lo, D'Lo did what he did. Um, star power-wise, though Minnesota takes it if Cat plays, like, within his capability, and Jaw, Memphis has Jaw, who's the best player in this series, but Minnesota probably has two through five, but then after that, Memphis kind of just th- runs away with it after that. Um, I still got Memphis winning this series. Uh, I think this might be the most slept-on series, meaning, like, not many people will be looking forward to it. And, I mean, I, I don't think many people going to be looking forward to it, but I think it's going to be an extremely exciting series. Uh, I have, if Minnesota can step up and Cat can bounce back, I th- I wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota takes this in seven. But if Cat gets locked up like he did that night, then we got Memphis and six. Memphis and six. Ant and D-Lo can get you a couple games, but if Cat can't step up, then it's going to be Memphis and six. Next, we have Hawks versus Hornets. Um, the star power here was pretty bad. The only players that would be classified as, as star players played horrendous. Well, actually, shout out Trey Young. He played well in the third and he played well in the second half, but he did not play well in that first. He looked atrocious. Uh, after the first, the Hawks were up almost double digits. And I tweeted during the game, and I was like, hey, the Hornets, 
feel like they're winning this game. I know the scoreboard says the Hawks are winning, but with the energy and the flow of the game, just watching it, PJ hitting shots, I was like, the Hornets are one good run away from pulling up for an upset and running away with this game. And they they just crapped the bed. They didn't. They never got that one run. Even though they felt like the momentum looked like the Hornets were good, they were good, the Hawks just stomped them. It just stomped them. It was embarrassing. I expect a huge game like from Trey Young to show that there was like levels to this. And yeah, he didn't give me that their levels to this game, but he did still give me a good game. Um, the role players, Hunter stepped up, especially in the third, left his mark on the game to truly make up for like young slow start. Clint Capella dominated early on too, dominated the boards early on. He had like almost what was it? I think the I remember they said like he had like nine boards, like the first or something. I remember I was watching and they were like, Oh, that's his like ninth board. It was like crazy. Um, the Hornets, like, they don't have a big, so it makes sense. He should, he should dominate. No one on the Hornets had more than six boards, and Clint Capella has 17. So that lets you know where they stood. Um, Young did well to utilize him. You saw the no-look lob early in the first. Uh, they were doubling him and blitzing him early, so he got the ball in his hand early. He was passing it to Clint Capella. Clint Capella would either dunk it, or Clint Capella wasn't dunking it every time. He was playing smart. He was making the extra pass out of it to get to the shooters and everything like that. So he, he was he was playing really well. Um, Gallinari did what you expected. Didn't do more, didn't do less. He's out there to score efficiently, get his shot off, be a good second, third option. He he did his job. He's a legit scoring option at either four spot. He can play he'd be a big three or a stretch four. He can play either one. He did his job. It was just it was just domination by the Hawks. PJ looked good, but outside of that, the Hornets looked pitiful. They play zero, and I absolutely mean zero defense. They blitzed Trey Young, but their rotations were putrid. Once they adapted to that and they dropped to Clint Capella, he would just kick it out the shooters, and they killed him that way. Um, every single, like every uh, change the Hornets had, the Hawks had an answer to it. Like every, every like there, there wasn't anything the Hornets could do. Every time they were like, okay, well, we'll try this now. The Hawks just adapted and they just out coached, outplayed. It was just the the Hornets didn't even look like they deserved to be in the play in. That's two years in a row where they just they've just been embarrassed. I cut the game off after the third. I didn't even watch the fourth quarter. I'm not gonna lie to you. I saw the clips of Miles Bridges going crazy and everything, throwing his mouthpiece, getting upset, and getting ejected. Uh, I I just didn't care to watch this game after the third. It was a clear blowout. So I was like, yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna cut to the next game. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and then we'll be right back.
and we are back. So we're jumping into the Spurs and the Pelicans, and this was just not a good night for the guards. Good night for star guards, at least. You saw Trey Young and LaMelo and Terry Rozier struggle the game before. You see DeJounte struggled heavily, and it wasn't a good way to end his amazing all-star year. He was coming back from an illness, and uh, they said something like that was his first time touching a basketball in a couple weeks. But, I mean, you can't give excuses. You just got to go out there and produce. Yes, you might have been sick. Yes, it wasn't the way you wanted, but at the end of the day, you got to go out there. You still got to go out there and produce. You got to go out there and do your thing at the end of the day. Um, so uh, DeJounte played poorly. Uh, Keldon played poorly. Keldon, like, he took a huge leap this season. But you couldn't tell after this game he was a legit defender, really good shooter, was coming into his own as a scorer. He was like a 39.8% three-point shooter. We'll just say he's a 40% three-point shooter. And he couldn't get a bucket this game. He couldn't hit a single three. He was 0 for 5. It got to the point where they were sagging off this man. They were going under screens for a 40% three-point shooter. That's that's disgusting. That 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 lets you know how the games were. That's how I let you know how the game was going shooting-wise. Um, Devin Vassell was the only player that, like, truly played well offensively. Um, but not to slander the home team Spurs too much. I'll give them credit. At least they didn't roll over and give up despite, like, the struggles and, like, the embarrassment of the franchise run by 23. That 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 game, that, that was just disgusting. At least they kept fighting all the way to the end. Um, the Pelicans looked good. That CJ trade is looking like the Pels came out on top. He's been a legit scorer, a good second option for this screen. I'm not going to lie. I'm skeptical of B.I. being a number one option on a championship contender team. I think B.I. can be a number one option on a good team, a playoff team, a first, second round exit team. But as for a legit championship contender team, I think B.I. would be more suited as a number two. I still think he's like a top 15, 20 scorer in this league. But I think he might be more like like Clay, where you can, where they put up crazy numbers but you'd rather have them as the two option rather than the one option. Like, ideally for a championship team. Like I said, he can be a number one and go get buckets and lead his team to the playoff. But if you want a championship, I think he should be better on the number two. If Zion comes back healthy and they have a big three of Zion, B.I., and C.J. as your one, two, three punch, and a spacer like Val who can also get a bucket inside, a lockdown defender like Herb Jones and everything, man... Like golly, that that's just that's just that that this team this team could be this team could be scary. They got role players like Alvarado, Larry Nance, Trey Murphy. Um, this Pelicans team is good. This Pelicans team is good. They might not they might not do it this year. They might not do it this year. But this Pelicans team is really really good, and I can see them next year making some noise. They just need to go get a point guard because Devontae Ground is disgusting. Like, Devontae's bad. Like, he had that good year in Charlotte. They thought that they could replace Lonzo with him. They see early on that he's no Lonzo. And they still try to make it work until they finally just benched him. And they were just like, yo, you got to give you a minute somewhere else. Devontae's just they, – they they need a Devontae replacement. Um. Next, let's get into so right there you already have you already have the seven seed and everything. So let's see. Next, you have the battle for the eight seed. First, let's talk about the Hawks and Cavs. This was a thriller. This was a thriller. Trey Young was booty butt cheeks in the first half. 
And I was like, dang, Trey Young packing the air. Me and my homies were talking about him. Next thing you know, that man went crazy in the second half. He finished with 38 and 9. He was over there shimmying. He was getting buckets and just doing his thing. Bogdanovich was hooping. Man, it just, it just, it looked crazy. Clint Capello went down. And once he went down off a stupid injury, that should have been a flagrant foul. Um, Onyeka Okongu looked really good. Onyeka looked extremely good. If they that's scary that they have Clint Capella already, and if Clint Capella needs time off, that they can go to Onyeka and Onyeka just be perfectly fine, and he can be a starting caliber center for this team and get the job done. Onyeka played amazing. On the other end, you had uh DG DG was hooping. Um he struggled he struggled shooting wise. Uh you he was trying to force his shot. It looked like he was trying to force the shot because he needed help. Basically offensively all they had was DG, Laurie Marketing, and Evan Mobley. Nobody else was really trying to shoot. Uh on offense you could see every single time they were just trying to run plays for Laurie Marketing. Like DG would get it. The only person he was really looking for is Laurie. If they couldn't get a Ari shot up, then they were just like, okay, well, we just pass it. Let Karis LeVert ISO. And Karis LeVert was disgustingly bad. He was disgustingly bad. His box score doesn't show, but this, he, he, he was disgustingly bad. There were so many opportunities. There were so many plays where he dribbled the ball and iso the entire shot clock and then passed it to somebody else. You had one where Darius Garland had to shoot it from, like, the logo and just flick it up. You had two back-to-back with Laurie Markkinen where he just passed it to him at the last second. Laurie Markkinen had to throw up some BS, hit the side of the backboard. And, like, looking at it, I'm like, yo, Karis LeVert is that random in 2K that dribbles the entire time, can't get his shot, and then he passes it to you with one second on the shot clock to throw up some BS. That's what he was doing. Karis LeVert was coming here to be a scorer, a secondary ball handler, and he just looks he looked bad. He looked really bad. Evan Mobley is a monster defensively. Evan Mobley was dominating defensively, and he was getting his buckets in the paint. He's just a rookie, though. He could only do so much. And with DG struggling on his shot, then they, there was not much they could do. There, there was just not much they could do. Um, they needed the role players to step up more. When your star is struggling, you need your role players to step up. They need another scoring option, which was supposed to be Karis LeVert, but he didn't do what he was supposed to do. Um, they put Isaac Okoro in. They put Rondo in. They put other players in, and they just they just sagged off of him. So you got Darius Garland trying to go create a shot, but then he drives to the paint, and you have the whole defense collapsing on you. You try to kick it out. They're not even guarding Isaac Okoro. Isaac Okoro had one position where he shot a shot, bricked it. They threw it back out to him. He bricked it again, and then they just didn't even – no, no, I think – no, he they shot it out to him. He bricked it, and then they just didn't throw it back to him. Like, he was wide open. He could have got it again, and they just chose not to throw it back out to him because they're like – they're not even guarding you out there. Um, That was his own – yeah, Isaac Okoro only missed one shot, but that like the rest of them were on, like, in the, on the, in the paint. And shooting-wise, they just weren't guarding him. Rondo, the same way, wasn't guarding him. Um, Karis LeVert, he hit four threes, but some of those, like, he got hot for a little stretch where he was trying to go back and forth with Trey Young. Outside of that, he was shooting putrid, and they were sagging off of him. So Darius Garland and Evan Mobley and Jared Allen going out there, and they see that all their scores are just getting sagged off of, and they have no spacing. It was just an ugly game all around. 
Um, shout out to the Hawks though. This was this kind of this must see TV. I'm ready to see Trey Young go against that uh, defense with Miami. Miami has a top three defense. Miami's supposed to be defensively hungry. Hopefully, John Collins can be back by then. Same with Clint Capella. But I think this Miami series is going to be exciting because they don't really have – they have Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler, but I don't see them either one of them really stopping Trey Young. I can see Trey Young – he struggled at first playing game. Then he started waking up a little more the second playing game. And now with us going in the playoffs, I can see Trey Young finally going back to playoff Trey and ice Trey, and then he just going crazy. I, I want to say Miami in six, but don't be surprised if – Atlanta comes out with Trey Young balling and John Collins coming back. If John Collins comes back, it's a wrap. I got Atlanta in five. Uh, I think they'll just be too big for Miami. They'll just dominate Miami. They'll be too big. And offensively, Miami can't keep up with them. Miami has a good defense, but they don't have the offense outside of like Tyler Hero to match Atlanta. So if John Collins can come back, Atlanta in five. If not, Miami in six. That's that's what I'm going to go with. Um. The last game of the night, we got Pelicans, we got Clippers, and I. this game was closer than I thought. Shout out to the Pelicans. They were hooping. B.I. went out there hooping. C.J. had an ugly game. Nobody else really showed up offensively outside of B.I. Larry Nance Jr., well, I guess he stepped up. He had 14 and 16. He dominated the paint, had some nice putback dunks. Larry Nance Jr. is just a good energy player to have plays defense he's just a player anybody should want on their team uh so he did his thing but as far as their actual score scores nobody else really stepped up uh Trey Murphy had a pretty good game as well he had four threes if I'm not mistaken um but B.I. really took over this game and just left his mark on this game he left his mark on this game letting like LA know I'm here I have arrived I am that scorer there's nothing y'all can do against me Reggie Jackson balled out. Morris balled out. Uh, Marcus, that is. He balled out. Uh, it was just Norman Powell. They couldn't get much from him. Batum, they couldn't get much from him. And I just think the Pelicans lucked out this game. They really did. If PG plays this game, it's like the Clippers handily win. For the, the Pelicans, the only win by four and it'd be a dogfight all the way up into, like, the last 30 seconds. And be a dogfight like that. I feel like that's kind of bad. That doesn't that doesn't give promise. Um, the Pelicans did all that just to go against the Suns, and I see the Suns just dominating them, Suns and four. Um, because you can't even get paid. If you struggle against the Clippers team without Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, and you have Norman Powell shoot disgustingly, then I just don't see give them a viable chance. Uh, I don't really got much to say past that because, uh, like I said, I don't really give the Pelicans a chance against the Suns. Maybe next year when Zion's back and they get a new point guard. But as of right now, it should be an easy blowout. Suns and four, worst case scenario, Pelicans still won. Suns and five. Anyways, that's been the Ask Geeks podcast, guys. Always, always, always remember to respect women. But most importantly, remember to respect yourself. And we out.